I just want to make it as easy as possible is like if I'm doing like a chat on WhatsApp and I discovered that I need to transfer you within my application that I can actually uh, do it and you're going to find an option of payment or transfer and then it automatically the transaction is done once you put your pen and this is the main idea. Financial inclusion is a big word. It doesn't necessarily mean a lot to, to everyone in the street. It's something that we all want. So being banked or being financially included, I think that the thing that really makes you know, this positive feedback loop keep going is hearing about individual stories about how this changed lives. And I know sometimes that might get lost in the fray of numbers and stuff, but ask the companies that you deal with or the ones that you're enabling you know, to mine those stories, to deliver them, to tell them. Because, you know, we have a voice, but we also need to act as a positive catalyst for more of this to go on because it does a lot of good. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Enterprise Podcast. This show is produced by Enterprise, your daily source of news and perspectives on business, finance and regulation in Egypt. Each episode, we talk with people who are building household brands across Egypt and around the Arab world. Our goal is simple, to help you get your head around what's next, around the trends, ideas, and solutions that will help you build a successful business. Today's episode is all about what's next in fintech. You're going to hear from two of Egypt's most interesting fintech companies, and from two of the venture capitalists who have invested in them. And as a special bonus, we are joined by a top official from the Central Bank of Egypt, one of their key regulators. Karim Noor is the co-founder of Kashet, the first nano-finance company in the Middle East and North Africa. Kashet provides financial services to the unbanked and underbanked, starting with lending. We've also got Omar Saleh, the CEO and co-founder of Khazna. Omar joined us the same day he announced his company had raised a blockbuster $38 million Series A round. Khazna offers underserved Egyptians general-purpose credit, buy-now, pay-later finance, and bill payment services. On the VC side of the table is Halil Shalaeni, a corporate lawyer and long-time angel investor turned venture capitalist. Ali is the CEO of Cairo Angel Syndicate Fund. He is also a senior partner at Shalaeni, the 110-year-old Cairo law firm. Ali is an investor in Karim startup Kashet. Ashley Lewis is no stranger to Cairo but she's based in Lagos, where she's a partner focused on Africa with Axion Venture Lab. We caught her in the States, where Axion is based, as she was preparing to fly back our way. Ashley has been investing in financial services and social ventures across Sub-Saharan Africa and Southeast Asia for more than a decade. She was also one of Omar's first investors at Khazna. Last but not least, we were joined by Dr. Rasha Nidm. Rasha is an assistant sub-governor of the Central Bank of Egypt where she's in charge of fintech and innovation. Russia is not a newcomer to fintech. A veteran of the banking industry, she led product strategy for Vodafone Cash before joining the CBE. This episode is part one of our conversation, where we talk about what fintech is today and what's going to shape it going forward. We also got some exclusive news on upcoming regulation in the space. Your host today is Patrick, Enterprise's Editor-in-Chief. First off, thank you everyone for joining us today for What's Next in Fintech. Um, we're going to ask each of you to start off by telling us a little bit about your origin story. And I'm going to ask Ashley to go first. Absolutely. So thank you so much for having us. My name is Ashley Lewis. I'm a partner at Axion and I lead 
our investment activities across Africa. And I guess the best way to start with my origin story is I'm, I'm an American lost in Lagos. I'm based in Lagos, Nigeria, but more increasingly an American lost in Cairo. And so I try to spend as much time as possible in Cairo. It's one of the markets um, in broader Egypt, obviously, one of the markets that I'm most excited about. And um, the seat that I occupy focused on fintech for financial inclusion. I couldn't think of a better place to kind of really further that mission. And so um, we are investing in early stage fintech. My origin story with Egypt is very much um, cross-related to Omar and Omar's origin story in the region. And so I like to say that he's one of the reasons why I got involved in Egypt and, and I couldn't be more excited to be a part of um, their story and also learning about the Egyptian fintech ecosystem um, through our investments in Khaznas. So Omar, how did you get to know Ashley? Very lucky to meet uh, Ashley, you know, as we were launching Khazna late 2019, early 2020, so we convinced her to uh, to put uh, her first ticket in, into Egypt, you know, very, uh, very happy and proud about that. Um, you know, again, for me, you know, born and raised here in Cairo, did my MBA in the U.S., got back, tried to start the company, didn't work out, ended up doing investing for a while. And uh, I was very interested in fintech, given the, um, the impact angles and like uh, the impact opportunity, uh, just in Egypt in general, but specifically uh, for consumers, you know, micro businesses. And, uh, you know, decided to start, venture out late 2019. And that's when we met Ashley. And Kareem, how do you know these folks? Well, I know Russia from a long time ago from our work with the, the CBE and my, my previous slides from communication talking about financial inclusion. And uh, I know Ali from uh, the office next door, the desert behind the, the house, uh, <laughs> first, first outside backer in the company. Uh, had the pleasure of meeting Ashley face to face this time around during the, the fintech extravaganza. I read about Almod every now and then in the press, so uh, and, uh, and, and, and 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 saw him a couple of times also during during this last week. That's how I know everyone here. But yeah, more relevant more relevant to the thing. Uh, my, my interaction probably with um, with Russia and with the regulator is um, is a big reason why I'm in fintech. I used to run um, a communications and media conglomerate here, and we were tasked with explaining what financial inclusion should mean to everyday Egyptians. Got the opportunity to get on uh, ground. I believe it was uh, the program done with Bank uh, Dereya uh, and putting wooden boxes on the floor, uh, encouraging savings for women. Um, and got, you know, got, got a first-hand look. And also, you know, by, by working with the incumbent banking system, uh, just you know, had eyes on the industry. And it became very apparent to me at that time that um, everyone really needs to do their part in availing products and services. And in our case, mainly for the long-tail customer. And Ali, I'm kind of getting the feeling that you're the connective tissue that has brought us all together. Uh, what's your story, man? What's your origin in the industry? Thanks. Thanks, Patrick. Now, firstly, it's, uh, it's a real pleasure to be here with everybody. Um, uh, so uh, I have the pleasure of knowing, I think, everybody in kind of different with different hats. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a corporate M&A lawyer of, of over uh, 15 years. And I've been angel investing for 11 years in Egypt uh, before angel investing was cool. Um, and I kind of turned to, uh, to VC in the last couple of years. Uh, so I guess the re reason I got into this is um, I didn't know anything about uh, investing in, in startups. Uh, the first meeting I had to even hear about angel investing was through a very dear friend of mine uh, called Hiba Gamel. 
who was the managing director of Endeavor uh, in Egypt at the time. And I told her, you know, Heba, I've, you know, I came back to Egypt. I used to live in London. It's so exciting. There's so much, so many things going on here. Uh, but, you know, I'm building my practice, building my career. So how can I get involved when I have no time? Um, so she was like, you know, Ali, there's this small cheat button uh, you can do, which is called angel investing. And uh, basically, you get all the excitement of what entrepreneurs do but you're sitting in the back seat, right? Um, so that was my, my very first kind of uh, stumbling upon this uh, beautiful world. And uh, yeah, I haven't looked back since. And you folks have just closed your first permanent fund, Ali, right? That's right, yeah. So it's really exciting time. Um, um, you know, after sort of having an angel network uh, for the last uh, 11 years, uh, we thought it was time to kind of double down or triple down uh, on this uh, space. So uh, we're very lucky. We we've just uh, we did first close at the end of last year for our uh, syndicate fund. Uh, we're actually on target to close our fund in the next quarter. Uh, but we've been writing checks and coming out of the blocks uh, real strong. So really, really, uh, really pleased to to be where we are today. Fantastic. And Dr. Rasha, what's your origin story? How does uh, someone from the Central Bank of Egypt uh, wind up on a podcast like this? <laughs> Uh, actually, um, uh, well, I have to, I have, I have a story to tell on how the central bank got, got into fintech. Given the fintech's contribution into the traditional uh, financial service model uh, that is growing rapidly around the world and and of course here in Egypt, so and it moves the whole industry into a different uh, era. So at CBE, we like we took like um, a couple of years back a forward and agile thinking related to the fintech with the start of. Uh, launching the fintech and innovation strategies, the national strategy back in 2019, um, where actually it's one of the major building blocks for um, the last cash transformation framework and of course a main enabler for the financial inclusion strategy. So this is where we've actually created the, the fintech and innovation department at the central bank. Mm -hmm. And um, and this is where the flip happened because we've decided that we're, we're not just going to be merely a regulator, but it's it's more like a catalyst for change or market enabler so we can actually promote and grow the fintech ecosystem in, in Egypt and here where we orchestrate different activities or uh, fintech related activities in the market and meeting all those people <laughs> um, and be here. So basically, this is uh, this is actually uh, the story. So what was your personal journey to the central bank? Well, actually, I started with the mobile payment, which is like the, the early step, step in of any fintech activities. And um, working for, a private, for the private sector, it's Vodafone handling the segment of the mobile money. And I got approached by the central bank that they told me, why don't you do this nationally? So why don't you yeah. have an impact on the whole? <laughs> yeah, and this, is, and this is the entry. Like, you have to do something to, to enable the whole market rather than just, uh, just one company. And this is where it started. So I started with the mobile money and then moving into the whole activities of the fintech. Actually, we have more than uh, 20 uh, million, new, uh, million uh, wallets in the market. So it works. 
Um, I think it's been a really incredibly cool week for uh, for fintech and for the startup ecosystem in general. Omar, you just closed a crazy round. Um, the National Bank of Egypt just confirmed that it bought today 6% of Faudi in a £1 billion block trade. Uh, Swivel just uh, despacked, I guess is the proper term, uh, and is now public on uh, Nasdaq. Uh, so it's you know one day before the start of Ramadan and uh, a ridiculously interesting day to be talking about startup stuff with you folks. Um, I'm going to ask Russia to start off. What is fintech in your own words, Russia? What does fintech mean? The simple definition is like any use of uh, innovation or, or, or innovative technologies by facilitating or providing a financial service. But so actually, as we move on, we find out like it's expanding. Like now we have 14 subsector of the fintech industry, and this is based on the, our landscape report. So we have the fintech enabled, which is coming up on the scene now where we can see like any technology or an app that is having embedded finance within it. So we actually consider it as part of our ecosystem. So this is basically what, uh, what the fintech uh, means, like any f- innovation, facilitating, providing where the consumer like the main focus of the solution is considered our authentic solution for us. Omar, what about you? Uh, yes, um, I definitely totally agree with Dr. Rosha. I'm uh, just going to build on and say it's a, the, the way we view, I view FinTech is basically a, a huge opportunity uh, to positively impact the lives of people, uh, whether it's mm. uh, on an infrastructure you know, layer to facilitate you know, transaction. Uh, improve the quality of it or whether it's on the consumer facing side to replace a traditional you know like branch based or you know loan officer or like insurance broker kind of experience and ashley what about you so i couldn't agree um more with those two viewpoints i might take it just one layer up and say you know uh, being able to interact with money is a usually a daily experience for most people. And if I think about a pathway to build more abundance and ease into people's lives, it's how they can do that in a much more seamless way, right? In a way that they feel connected to, empowered, and also um, not that this is a stumbling block or, or a um, impediment to their daily experience. And, and FinTech and being able to digitize that experience is one way for us to achieve a more kind of abundant life around money for people that are traditionally underserved. And Kareem, I think you, uh, you know, among all of us on the call uh, are probably the one closest to people who are really fundamentally underserved by the traditional financing system. How, how do you define it? It's very much along that, but it's about availing access. It's about availing access to people that have none. And even when they have some, it's about making that easier. It's about making that better. It's about making that, uh, yeah, I, I would guess accessibility is, is a huge thing. Just affording the tools that we have and the benefits of the system that we currently have in an easy manner to the un and underserved, by the way. It's not just the unserved. There are lots of people that are, that are underserved as well. And, and just kind of uh, working that out and making that an easier journey for them. Is it fair to say the folks that you target uh, with Keshet, do they fall more sort of on the unserved end of the spectrum, whereas Omar uh, with what Khazna is doing is more sort of on the underserved? 
I was thrown for a loop because I found out, you know, that our mix is quite interesting. I thought that we were very going to be much on the unserved, but we're also really on the underserved as well. I found out we have people with credit cards that are actually using our service as well, just because of that they know their head from their feet when it comes terms to the fees that they're paying. So it's, it's, it's very much both for us. But of course, I would say that, yeah, we're weighted on the underserved because it's uh, um, uh, a seven minute journey on an app to, 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 to get scored and get into the financial system if you do everything right. So, so yeah, uh, but I suspect it's a little wider than even, than even we know, than even that we predicted. Interesting. And Omar, what about you? Are, are you guys serving the underserved or the unserved? Both, actually. So we're focused on middle and low income uh, Egyptians, basically. And what we're trying to offer is just like in this one, you know, like mobile based simple experience to start with a, a, an, an alternative to the traditional experience, right? Like, so you don't need to go anywhere in order to conduct multiple types of financial uh, services. And in the case that we even like on the total underserved side, we've got the solution, I think, uh, to what Dr. Rasha mentioned, the central bank has created the, the regulatory frameworks and also the infrastructure layer that allows us, all of us in the industry, to go not only tackle the underserved, but also go after the, the very low income brackets uh, by allowing them to open all types of accounts, offer them different services, and all of that using licenses and frameworks that have been developed over the last three years. So really, you know, I think the work they've been doing is just uh, phenomenal, and it opens up the door really for real financial inclusion, both for the underbanked and the unbanked. You know, at Khazna, we're proud. Today, we're serving over 150,000 users a month, we're ramping up, we're doubling every three months again. Um, and, and again, you know, it's, it's all about customer centricity, customer focus, and uh, knowing what exactly the pain point is, how the user prefers the experience to be, and designing it accordingly. I think on that point, before we ask Ali what his definition of fintech would be, I'd like to ask Rasha a question. My sense of the matter is that the central bank has done an awful lot to be nice to uh, small individual account holders through the traditional banking system of late, especially you know in the past uh, two years uh, during COVID. Um, but am I right in remembering that you folks are working on a framework right now that would make it much easier for people like Karim and Omar uh, to onboard unbanked people and get them into the financial system much more quickly? You mean like uh, the EKYC? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we've, we've worked before on the light KYC version, which is like um, any bank can use an agent to onboard the customers uh, just with the, with the national ID. And uh, yes, we're working heavily to have a digital financial identity uh, platform uh, or an EKYC basically for the banking sector for them to, to start and, and transacting and onboarding the people in a digital way. So yes, we're working very hard. But is this, is this months away? Is this years away? What sort of timeline do you think might exist before we, before we see this in the wild? I think that it's going to take a while, given the, the whole um, backend integration, especially to verify the citizens. Uh, so mm -hmm. I think hopefully it's going to be on next year. That's fantastic. And Ali, what about you? What's fintech? When an opportunity crosses you, uh, how do you know that that's fintech? I'm going to try to avoid duplicating some of the excellent answers that were already given <laughs> and maybe kind of um, uh, talk about it in a, from, from an investor's perspective. Um, so from an investor's perspective, 
Um, the fintech sector has really ballooned in the last 10 years. And now I think as uh, Russia uh, pointed out, there's actually a lot of subsets. And when you come to look at those subsets, you need to ha build a lot of um, subject matter expertise um, to really be able to add value, right? So I guess if you want to, uh, you know, the thing that a lot of people are quite accustomed to in Egypt is payments, um, because that's what we really kind of started with uh, very strongly. Um, infrastructure, uh, which is something that, um, you know, Faudi, everybody knows Faudi. It's a household name in Egypt. And actually, Faudi was a game changer. Uh, without Faudi, a lot of the fintechs operating today couldn't do what they, what they did. Um, but there's a lot of other ones that haven't actually uh, arrived in Egypt yet. And that's also very exciting because now that we have, um, or let me say that the regulators have really enabled this sector in the last few years, that is opening a whole ocean of opportunities. And I think we're only at the tip of the iceberg. So I think, yeah, just ending on that, we need to uh, actually understand what's happening today, but we also look at what's, what's going to be happening tomorrow and after tomorrow and looking at other markets that are maybe a, a slightly ahead of us so that we can avoid the mistakes they made and actually leapfrog and hopefully even advance past them. It kind of feels, you know, in at the end of the first quarter of 2022 that just about everybody is either a BNPL or a payments company at this uh, at this point in time. So, you know, where do we go from here? What's the, the next big flavor? I don't know exactly what's going to be the next big thing, but I can tell you what I'm excited about. So I love th this concept of embedded finance being able to allow us more intersectionality between different sectors. And what that means for us at Venture Lab is, you know, now we have exposure to the intersection between fintech and agriculture. We also have the intersection between healthcare and, and fintech. Um, and I think that that's just going to, to, to grow and become more exciting. What could be a fintech player in the future, I think, is even um, unknown to me. But I love this idea of being able to reach consumers or small businesses where they need services most and make sure that the financing layer or the financial service product is meeting them and it's very contextualized, right? I think, to be very honest, I think we need to be very close to also what's happening in the market. You know, we've seen, we've seen the Central Bank of Egypt kick off uh, the instant payment network last week. Uh, to, uh, to us, this is a game changer, you know, like the way we view this, this is a game changer. Uh, the way that the central bank has designed and the type of expertise they brought in in order to design and the countries they've looked at, the examples, both successful and not successful, and, and how they designed the program and the plan that we've, that has been shared publicly is just like very, very impressive. What does the Instant Payment Network mean for you guys as a company? It's not just us, it's for everyone, you know, like I think it's a, it's, it's really the point, the, the point of time, of the, the, the key, the killer, you know, basically functionality that we've been waiting for in order to reduce reliance on cash, right? Be it if you want to, you know, transfer money to a friend, if you want to pay a merchant, if you want to repay credit, if you want to, so, so there's so many use cases across the board, if you want to pay or uh, you know, uh, like uh, the, the, your insurance, whatever, you know, like really it's one of those, uh, you know, underlying, again, you know, infrastructure, uh, you know, leapfrogs that could just totally transform uh, the, 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 the way we use money. Uh, you know, same time next year, they'll be much, much more less reliant on cash. 
I think maybe we'll cut to Dr. Rasha now and ask her uh, two questions. Um, if we can drill down into the instant payment payment network for a second. Is the vision for the IPN that it's going to be uh, your app and that's it? You know, the, the app will be widely used by consumers or is this an API that people can integrate with, that banks can integrate with and sort of a, a step towards open banking in that respect? No, it's not going to be uh, the only app for sure. Um, it's Yes, it's an open banking. It's basically an open banking uh, platform. And yes, the, the whole idea is that the PSPs can get into, through the banks, into to, to instant payment network and use it too. So uh, the idea of it, and this is what you've seen, like uh, uh, pushing the market to use it and just to try out how it works by introducing the app through EBC. And then the market can actually uh, move on and create and innovate and having more customer-centric apps just to, to make people use more the IPN. But the, the whole idea based on India is that you start with the, with the app, let the people try it, and then make the market do the move. Okay. And this is the whole idea. A lot of our listeners are, I think we can call them fintech curious, but not necessarily nerds in the field. So walk us through what an entrepreneur like Allmater or Kareem uh, could do uh, to build something that Ashley or Ali would want to invest in uh, by building on top of that uh, open banking architecture? I just want to make it as easy as possible. Is like if I'm doing like a chat on WhatsApp and I discovered that I need to transfer you within my application that I can actually uh, do it and you're going to find an option of payment or transfer and then it automatically the transaction is done once you put your pen and this is the main idea. So, so basically, uh, this is it. So whatever Omar or, or any application that uh, they have the use of transfer mm -hmm. money or paying something or anything of that sort that they can use the, the instant payment network as their platform. That's really cool. So somebody could build the Venmo of Egypt on your infrastructure, for example. You can say that. It's exactly like the UPI in India, uh, okay. um, if, if this is uh, more close to it. Very cool. Very cool. What do you think is next in fintech? Or what would the regular like to see? I mean, if you have a message. They've said it more or less. Any access to finance is going to be needed, and I think, and it's going to be a hit. Like the early when the fintech started, it all started with payments. But now we mm -hmm. can see like it's converging into other things. And lending is, is one of the main, main things that we're actually seeing, especially with the behavioral scoring based models like the digital lending based on behavioral scoring and this is like another infrastructure that we're trying to build with iScore our credit bureau is to become the next behavioral scoring hub so it's not only taking the like the traditional um, credit bureau but also to become the new behavioral scoring hub where they can have other data where we can give instant uh, digital lending to consumers so this is going to be the next thing i think other thing that Ashley said, it's like the agri-fintech. We yeah. have a big agriculture sector in Egypt. It's yet not very well looked at. So I think the next thing is going to be the agri-fintech, where we actually have embedded finance into the agriculture or even move into more sustainable and green finance products and solutions. Uh, and making the fintech is the enabler for agri-tech. Uh, one of the other things is the Rosca. In Egypt, it's very famous with the Gamaya, but I think that digitizing the Gamaya or anything like embedded into the culture of the Egyptians, digitizing it, it's going to, 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 to make an impact as well. Um, 
supply chain finance, digitizing the supply chain finance. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, yes, exactly. Having um, a deferred payment or access to finance to the micro merchants or to uh, having financing the B2B marketplaces. One of the biggest fintech enabled uh, subsector that we're having is the B2B marketplace and um, digitizing the supply chain for, for FMCGs and, and the likes. So I think access to finance to those micro merchants is going to be one of the hit with the supply chain finance digitization. Kareem, what about you? What do you think is next? I'm just happy to, to hear that what Russia said is next is what we've been doing for the last two years. So credit scoring basing, based on alternative uh, data, that's, that's how we're able to do uh, what we do. We think that that is now and that is next and that is, is it, you know, it has, it has a long journey to go. So we're, we're really hyper-focused on that. But if it's thematic, I would come and mm-hmm. say, you know, that the democratization of these services is what's next. It doesn't go the other way. And the dematerialization of other things, like I think, you know, I think insurance is, is amazing. And uh, what if you could just insure yourself just for a heart condition? Because it comes in one big package, right? In one big, almost unswallowable, expensive uh, uh, package for everyday Egyptians. But if you look at what most men die of, for example, it's either, you know, a heart attack or, or diabetes. What if you could just insure against those? And you're going to be able to do that if you're using um, alternative data and if you're using more data. So, you know, the idea of really making use of this data, really making use of the smartphones in people's pockets to make the services more available to me, uh, people, to make them um, uh, less expensive. And maybe not, people don't, maybe they don't want the whole chunk, but making it, you know, bite size and at least getting some safety nets under people and availing that uh, for people. So further democratization, further de- dematerialization and um, constantly improving our infrastructure because it needs, you know, it needs that. You know, this is going to put a lot of demand on our, on our infrastructure and doing that and keeping up with this sort of rocket speed is, is no small task. What's this alternative data of which you speak, sir? What goes into uh, a cachette credit score? Uh, a bunch of stuff. It's any data that we get off their smartphone, right? So um, uh, we have a full digital journey as it stands right now. So you answer, you answer questions. Um, and, and it scores you based on the data that it collects with consent um, uh, off, of, off of your phone. And, um, uh, and, and you use that data to, to correlate to positive repayment behaviors. Obviously, to have that, you have to have um, spent some money to understand who doesn't repay. And that's, you know, that, that's, that's why our business is, is, uh, is interesting, quote unquote, which is that, you know, you, you have to burn to learn. You have to get the tech right. Um, you have to, to, you know, to, to, to understand and to continue to expand your data set. But basically, it's, it's using passive data that you get from the phone to determine behavior and what is, what is a credit-worthy persona. So uh, does he have a way to make money on his phone so he can make income uh, on his phone? Does he have a lot of contacts? Is he a social creature? Um, how much of his own functionality does he use? All of these in some way relate to um, uh, positive behavior. And then obviously you incentivize that positive behavior. And that's where financial education is so important. And Ali, what about you? What do you think is next in fintech? You know, I don't think uh, we have more of a crystal ball than the central bank, right? So uh, <laughs> I think, um, the one thing that maybe I would say is for us to, uh, a next wave is that we see a lot of fintech players today are um, B2C or B2B2C. And I think B2B is a really big opportunity. And yeah. I think... Um, there's some really good tailwinds that are really uh, going to help uh, 
the central bank have a policy for a long time now that they really want to promote lending to SMEs. They know that this is going to be extremely important to keep pushing the economy forward. Um, and uh, actually, already a lot of gains have happened using what I would say is more the traditional rails, which is um, the banks and MBFIs. Okay, uh, I think the tech players will have as big of a role, if not bigger, uh, in what they're kind of catalyzing on the on the B2C and B2B2C sides. Uh, we're already seeing some uh, early stage uh, folks doing some pretty cool stuff. Um, and um, yeah, I think we're working through that. I, what's really great today also is that apart from uh, sort of those breakfast, lunch and dinner conversations becoming uh, really awesome and futuristic is that um, the discussion also now is like highly collaborative, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so um, the access to the regulators to just bounce ideas is really a big plus because, you know, investors, um, they want to back amazing ideas, moonshot ideas even, but, you know, we're looking for a return on investment, right? So you want to make sure that the regulator is like, okay, you know, uh, we're okay with this. We're happy to talk about this. Uh, but maybe this is going to take a bit of time or actually do it right now, right? Those kind of messages and that communication, just the communication is like a huge value add, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I guess uh, with that in mind, um, we've had a lot of positive feedback, uh, especially after the, uh, the landscape report that was released uh, a few weeks ago, because it really helped a lot of people, not only inside Egypt, but more importantly, outside Egypt to kind of look at the different segments and understand, okay, you know, this mapping has already happened by the regulator. Um, so, you know, and there's a lot of encouragement in different um, parts of these modules. Um, so, yeah, so that's really exciting. I think the, the B2B space is, uh, that's kind of our next bet, I think, on the next, uh, I would say, um, two years. Two years. Uh, if you could say one thing to the regulator uh, today, what would that be? So, uh, Kadeem, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. I, I would say, you know, um, to, to continue to be an advocate of the sector because it's clear that that, 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 is, that is there. So more sandboxes, more open doors, more communication, uh, that's there, but just not to get tired because it takes a long time. I mean, it really does, you know, like <laughs> I, I thought this was going to be faster. It's not. Yeah. It, takes, it takes a while. So we need that open door to, to keep open. Um, more things like what's happening with the strategic uh, funding and enabling VCs here and encouraging them. And I thought the coolest thing, um, we were at the launch of, of the fund with Global Ventures. I loved how the banks were sitting up there front and center uh, next to the VCs, next to the startups. The, the integration between these parts, this is what's going to make it work. So just providing that and making this everyone's win is, is amazing. So yeah, so more of that. And last but not least, I can't forget about the world of communications from which I come which is um, listen to the stories about how this touches individual lives because financial inclusion is a big word. It doesn't necessarily mean a lot to, to everyone in the street. It's something that we all want. So being banked or being financially included, I think that the thing that really makes you know, this positive feedback loop keep going is hearing about individual stories about how this changed lives. And I know sometimes that might get lost in the fray of numbers and stuff, but Ask the companies that you deal with or the ones that you're enabling, you know, to mine those stories, to deliver them, to tell them. Because, you know, we have a voice, but we also need to act as a positive catalyst for more of this to go on because it does a lot of good. Excellent, man. Ashley, what about you? 
Kareem, I feel like you should be a venture capitalist. I mean, you took uh, a lot of the words right out of my Sorry. mouth. Um, <laughs> no, it was great. I mean, one thing that I want to say is, you know, everybody could come to Dr. Rasha with their, I'm sure daily she gets a laundry list of wish list things that people want them to do. And first, I just want to say thank you. As somebody that's not based um, in Egypt, but very committed to supporting the ecosystem, I have to just what we like to say sometimes is give you your flowers. I mean, I have interacted more with the Central Bank of Egypt than any other regulator in the other markets that I interact with. And I just think that being so open, willing to collaborate, that's really going to be the secret sauce here that makes this entire ecosystem hum and and, um, continue moving along. And so thank you so much. I think if I were to ask you know, I can say that, and then I want to ask for my one thing. Um, I would just say continue, <laughs> continue to do what you're doing, you know, being open to international investors. So yeah, definitely a big thank you to Dr. Rosha and everyone at the Central Bank. You know, it wouldn't have been possible for us personally and for everyone else, you know, like had it been for all the effort the last three years. I hate to call the elephant in the room, you know, like uh, the tough macro and the war in Ukraine. It's, mm. it's tough times. It's going to get tougher as long as the war keeps going on so my ask is uh, for you to keep uh, uh, stay in our corner and uh, uh, helping us and uh, us all of us uh, in our requests and in getting things done as priorities shift so uh, so countries priorities are shifting you know like this is a big country with big challenges and Central Bank of Egypt is handling so many things fintech is probably the smallest by far um, so, so there are other priorities, uh, but, but again, you know, we're there, we got this initial, you know, traction, if you like, as like an industry in terms of attracting investors. We want to maintain this traction. It's only going to happen uh, by getting the support of Dr. Russia and the teams in the central bank that help the fintechs, um, like continue having us as a priority as things get tougher and tougher. That's fantastic. Ali, what about you? To bring this segment home yeah no i um again i don't i don't want to be duplicative and uh, and uh, th- you know i just want to thank the central bank because i have to say you know having been um kind of working with these startups for a long time uh there was definitely a, a cultural shift and it was very noticeable and i think with kind of my two hats you know one as a lawyer that speaks to a lot of regulators all the time um and as an angel investor, it was a very noticeable shift. And I think um, the central bank has always been the first among peers uh, in Egypt from a regulatory perspective, right? So I guess what I would say is that the next level of challenge is going to be also widening the scope of engagement uh, because no matter what the central bank does, it can't do it everything alone, right? So I guess that that is the one thing I would say which is the next uh, opportunity. That's not, I don't like to call things challenges. I like to call them opportunities because that will unlock just a whole different wave of kind of opportunity across the board. Norasha, what about you? We've just put you on the spot, but you've heard some nice stuff. Uh, what message do you have for players in the field, whether they're investors or business builders? Okay, first, I'm, I'm the one who should actually thank you, not you thanking me because it takes a whole ecosystem to work it out. We just wanted people and our talent to innovate, but at the same time, we're just balancing innovation with consumer protection and uh, mm-hmm. and everything that it's uh, risky enough in the market. And of course, the financial stability and everything. So uh, 
I do, I do, I do believe that you should be like more resilient. And I know that, and Omar, and I know that <laughs> you're very resilient, you know, from the start. And this is what makes great startups and great entrepreneurs that, especially in the fintech or the financial sector, that it's, they have resilience and coming of this part of the world. So definitely you have this. And uh, the thing is, we always depend on hearing the market and doing roundtables. So come with the exact problem that we'll try to solve and we'll try to solve it together. Um, I do believe that you keep on doing more fintech solution and more solution that it's serving the, the financial sector, making more people more, more financially included. So keep on doing that. Keep on putting the customer at uh, centricity as the main focus of whatever you're doing and uh, raise more funds. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, so keep keep doing whatever you're doing, and we'll we'll try our best to support. I'm kind of curious, Rasha. How long do you think it will be before we look at fintech and say that it's sort of dissolved away, that it's just become part of life around us? Um, how much longer do we have to go? Are we at the beginning of the journey? Uh, are we at year 10 of a 10-year journey? You know, wh where are things going for us as a country and, and for this industry as a, as a sector but in its own right? It's going to be faster than this. Like, you're exactly right with the landscape. You want it to have a base so we can actually understand where we're going and where we want to, we, where we want to go. And I, and I see that it's going to get higher. Having, like, an increase of 20 startups year over year, 300% um, increase in the funding when it comes to fintech and fintech enabled, and even more than doubling the ticket size, the average ticket size, of course. Yeah. So I think it's becoming very fast. And... Um, it doesn't have to be like a complicated, uh, innovative technology. It's just like a simple technology that everyone uh, use or having access to finance or anything of that sort. So I assume that um, still early, it's still on at, at the beginning. Uh, we definitely can see like a, a gap in the in this uh, pipeline of early stage startups and funding and everything else. So we need to create this big pipeline so we can actually. Uh, thrive with the whole fintech ecosystem, but uh, we're very confident of the talent that we're having in Egypt. Of course, we're very we're very confident of the potential of the market, and we're going to do it faster than anything else that happened. Uh, of course, yeah, we were trying on a lot of development. Like we're going to issue very soon the digital bank license. So this is another level. Uh, so so we're issuing this regulation. Um, uh, How soon do you think that might be, Russia? No, this is like hopefully uh, next month. Like we're, yeah. we're on the very last stage, so yeah. So we're we're no way. soon. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe it's Ramadan, but I think that it's going to come. Um, to come definitely, definitely in Q2 this year. Like for, for Ali for collaborative efforts, we're doing a new fintech law with alternative finance law with the FRA. So uh, we're we're trying to regulate the crowdfunding, the peer-to-peer -peer lending, and uh, and the likes uh, in one law combined. What are we going to do if you have an equity-based crowdfunding, or what are we going to do if we have lending-based crowdfunding? So we try to collaborate just to make it a one alternative finance law for the whole uh, ecosystem and the market. So um, seriously, yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. What's the timeline? I keep asking timeline, but you know, it, it, it's sort of a question. I know, I know. It's a very dynamic and a market, and like you're yeah. saying, that uh, that uh, we're very eager and very um, and very excited actually to issue this piece of law. We're, we're in the final stage at the central bank, and we're taking it in discussion with the FRA because the law is different than the regulation. So the law it takes like the parliament, and then 
moved along. So so hopefully we'll we'll reach on the understanding the, the upcoming queue and, and seal everything with the FRA and then go to the parliament and then it's going to take all the stages that it needs until it's approved. But hopefully it's going to be like a breakthrough once it's uh, issued. Meanwhile, hmm. uh, we put all in the regulatory sandbox the things that are not regulated so we can actually test before we issue um, uh, the new law. Like the Roska model now uh, admitted to this uh, to, to this cohort. So um, every quarter you're going to find uh, more regulatory activities or frameworks happening uh, just to enable the market. Some days it feels like half of our readers and half of our, of our listeners are just waiting for a cue or a sign. When do I quit my day job to go build my own startup? And uh, now, you know, especially when that piece of legislation comes out, now <laughs> start prepping your ideas, ladies and gentlemen. Catch us next week with part two of our conversation, where we looked at the future outlook of investment and growth in Egypt's fintech sector. Subscribe to the Enterprise Podcast and stay tuned for more exciting episodes exploring what's next. You can also check out our podcast Making It, our interview show on how people like Ashraf Sabri from Fauri and Hani Birzi from Edita have built great businesses right here in Egypt. And don't forget to become an Enterprise reader by subscribing at enterprise.press. That's enterprise.press.